This is Senator James Lankford. Welcome to another edition of The Breakdown. We're taking the hard issues of the day, trying to take the pieces out of it and let you find out more details about it. What the TV media spends 30 seconds on, we're going to spend 20 minutes on uh, going deep into some serious issues. We're, as we always do, trying to make you the smartest kid at the water cooler. So today we're going to talk a little bit about immigration. There's a lot of folks that are talking about this Title 42 and what immigration means and what this actually looks like. Uh, well, we've got an expert on that, actually. It's Chad Wolf. Chad Wolf is the former acting Secretary of Homeland Security under the Trump administration. So you've led all of DHS, which is a massive organization. There's so many different areas we could take on this, whether it be FEMA, whether it be national security, border issues, everything else. Today we're zeroing in on just the sure. border issues as well. But you've actually taken on a new role, which I wrote down here, uh, serves at the America First Policy Institute the executive director, chief strategy officer, and chair for the Center for Homeland Security and Immigration. Now that is a business card. <laughs> That's a uh, mouthful. To be able to walk through all of those different issues. Thanks for your, not only your yeah. leadership under the Trump administration and working through the border issues, yeah. but your continued leadership on the policy issues and the ideas. What you're working with the America First Policy Institute is really to be able to bring a set of ideas to say, these are folks that know the issues, like exactly you and others right. that are there. And to say there are ways to be able to solve this is not like throw your hands up it's unsolvable right uh, in fact when the surge and everyone in the uh, democrat media continues to be able to throw out this surge that occurred uh, during the trump administration you were there you're in right. leadership at dhs at that time you brought the team together to be able to say we are seeing a rapid rise in the number of people illegally yep. crossing and so you work to figure out how to be able to actually solve that and to be tough. able to bring the numbers it down. Tough. Uh, so you, you're through all this before now you, you know these numbers let yep. me just mention it to everybody sure. else here during the first 14 months of the Biden administration, they've seen more illegally crossing, more illegal crossings across our southern border than happened all four years under the Trump administration. It's incredible. It is an incredible number that they've seen. Uh, Two million people illegally crossed the border in 12 months. Yeah. That's the highest number ever in the history of our country of illegal crossings. And the administration seems to be very focused on what do we need to do to facilitate it looking, looking less chaotic at the border? Right. How do we move people into the interior faster so there's not that video shot at the border of people crammed That's together. Exactly right. So their, their focus isn't stopping illegal immigration, it's actually facilitating illegal immigration. You've walked through this before in some pretty big issues. Yeah. So walk us through when there's a surge of people that are like that as the administration looks at options to be able to deal with. First of all, what is actually coming? Who is actually yeah. coming? They, they keep saying these are all individuals from Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. These are folks coming from the Northern Triangle looking to be able to come for asylum or their latest is they're from Venezuela and Nicaragua. They're just fleeing injustice at this point. Who's actually coming across the border illegally and how do you start to address this? So for DHS, well, thank you for having me. No, glad, uh, really glad excited to be here. Um, you know, for DHS, they collect this data on a daily basis. So every day, Border Patrol is picking up individuals. So we know exactly who's coming in. We know exactly how many are coming in. And over time, you start to understand the trends and the patterns of, of folks coming in. So DHS now, at least if we just talk about the Biden administration, has 14 months of data. They know who's coming in. Mm -hmm. They know the capacity issues. They know the volume that's coming in. But they also have intelligence. And, and we set this up during the Trump administration from intelligence from Central America all the way through Mexico. So as they make this very dangerous journey, they are having information coming to them in real time. So as a, as a secretary, you're getting a lot of data flows. And so you're understanding you know, I've got multiple days that we're reaching, you know, apprehensions of six, 7,000 people a day. Right. If you remember, That's Pres President Obama's DHS secretary, Jay Johnson, 
uh, is on record saying if it's a thousand people a day, if Border Patrol apprehends a thousand a day, that's a very bad day because it overwhelms the system. And uh, now we're having seven thousand. Now we're at seven thousand, and and I know we'll get into Title Forty Two. There are some predictions. You take Title Forty Two away, you're you're reaching thirteen to fourteen thousand a day. Um, and so it completely overwhelms the system, which causes a, a, a ripple effect uh, across, the, across the situation. But this comes back to messaging and policy. Uh, you need both of them to work hand in hand. You have to send the signal that the border is not open. There will be consequences to coming in illegally, whether those consequences are, are prosecution or it's just a quick repatriation. Whatever the consequence is, you, you've got to send that signal. Right. And the signal being sent right now is it's open come on in. Yeah. And oh, by the way, we just now told you, we gave you a six-week notice that Title 42 is going away. So start planning for that right. in the height of the busiest time on the border, which is April, May, and June, they've decided to list this, lift Title 42. I don't understand their strategy that they have in, have in place. Yeah, I don't understand it at all. And, and we're going to go through several details yeah. on this. You, you talked about the multi-layered approach. Uh, you were as you're leading DHS, looking well south of our border with Mexico and the United States trying to go farther south to engage. There were actual agreements made yeah. with other countries to say, how can you handle, or how can you basically apprehend these individuals and yeah. turn them around before they ever even got to Mexico and came forward? What did those look like? How did they come together? So when we talk about Central America and we talk about Mexico and even countries in, in South America, you know, we hear the current administration talk about root causes, right? right? And so these are, those are long-term projects that you're going to work with those countries for decades on, and we have been working with decades. Right. So how do you build up economic opportunity there? How do you bring law and order to those countries that have perhaps have not had that? That's not going to occur overnight. Right. Um, so you continue to do that, but in the background, you also start looking at security agreements with those countries. How can we bolster their border security? So whether you're talking about Guatemala on their southern border, you talk about El Salvador, we need to get them capacity. And so DHS, under the Trump administration, we did that for a variety of different reasons, both resources and sending people and our expertise down there to say, here's how you set up a secure border control facility. Yes, you may not have the same technology and, and capabilities that we have in the U.S., but you can still do this in an orderly way. Right. And you try to build that up. And as you do that, you give them other tools, biometric tools. So as they come into contact with individuals, they are enrolling them in uh, their biometrics so that we know how this flow is, is, is right. kind of moving up towards the United States border. We do that for a number of different reasons. You want to you want to know if someone entered Brazil, made it to Ecuador, made it to Panama, why they've taken mm -hmm. that route. And maybe it's it's there's a nefarious reason. Maybe it's not just economic opportunity right. trying to get to the U.S. Maybe they're coming for different reasons. So there's a multitude of, of things that you're looking for. But you're absolutely right. It starts away from the border. It starts in, in southern Mexico, and it starts in, in Central and South America. Yeah, those third-party agreements were there, and there was also a move to be able to say, if you're going to request asylum, request asylum in the countries you transit through. The Biden administration, day one, they wiped those out and yeah. said, we're not going to do that anymore. If they want to request asylum, they should come all the way to the United States to request asylum. It's such a, it's a great point. This idea that you can only claim asylum in one country in the entire world, the United States, is, is bizarre. Um, the idea behind asylum is wherever you're at is dangerous. You're either being persecuted for a variety of different reasons, and you need to leave that. And the idea on refugee status or asylee status around the world is you try to relocate them as close to home as possible. So when conditions improve, they can go back right. and continue to, to build their life there. So this idea that you would leave one country and travel through three or four other safe countries that you can, you can apply for asylum or refugee status in, 
but you somehow need to come to to the U.S. I think what it shows and what we saw during the Trump administration is clearly people are taking advantage of that. Right. They know they can do that, and if no one's going to stop them, they're going to continue to do that. And so that's what we tried to do again in the Trump administration. We put a number of rules in place, a number of different agreements in place that said, look, if you show up to the U.S. border and you claim asylum, but yet you traveled through two or three other safe countries, well, then we're going to remove you back to those safe countries. They're going to uh, grant you, uh, you know, asylum or refugee status, and you can you can stay safe there. Right. Um, but that's not the end goal, yeah. um, as we know. Yeah, uh, Border Patrol just uh, in the past week actually uh, put out a statement that just in the last six months on our southern border, they've interdicted people from 157 countries. 157 countries. So th th this whole belief that everyone that's coming is coming from Guatemala, Honduras, and El Salvador is just factually not true. People are coming from all over the world. They're paying a fee to the cartels. Uh, to be able to move in, and the latest number that I heard, you may have heard other numbers as well, is between $4,000 and $30,000 that individuals are paying to the cartels to be able to actually move across our southern border. As our Border Patrol agents tell me, the border is secure. It's just secure on the south side of the border <laughs> where you're going to pay a fee or they'll kill you, actually. And uh, sometimes they pay the fee, and sometimes they actually have to come to the United States, then work for the cartel when they get here to be able to work their fee off. Uh, which creates a whole different issue of human trafficking, of sex trafficking, right. of drug trafficking uh, that's happening in the country as people work off their fee. But th there, there's a real business that's actually moving 100%. people from all over the world on this. So I want to drill down a little bit more on yeah. this asylum issue because this has been something the administration's talked about even recently with Secretary Blinken, uh, who's Secretary of State, making the comment about, well, these are individuals coming to be able to pursue asylum. What, what I've seen most are individuals that are crossing the border and they're saying, when they cross the border, I've got a family member that's yep. already here working. I, I've got relatives that are already here. I've got a job that's already set up here. Is that asylum? If you're moving from a country that has some area of violence in it, but you've got economic opportunity in the United States, is that asylum under the definition? No, it's not. Right. Um, and, and you're exactly right. The vast majority of people coming to the U.S. are looking for that economic opportunity. And God bless them. Sure. Uh, it's I the think, greatest I, country in the world. But there are legal ways to do that, and you've got to do it that legal and proper way. And I think once we decide that you don't have to do that, that's when the rule of law starts to break down. And that's the issue that we find ourselves in today. So what we know is when people cross that border and they claim asylum, only about somewhere between 10, I would say 12 and 15 percent actually need asylum. They actually qualify for asylum. And again, asylum is you're being not only persecuted by your government. So it's right. not just your neighborhood is, is dangerous. Right. There are neighborhoods in, in the U.S. that you probably don't want to be in. But right. You, you can't seek asylum for that. You right. can move to a different part of the country that is safe if, if you fear, if you have any fear. But what we see is people coming in, and the problem with allowing all these individuals to claim asylum and not remove them and have them in the system is it overwhelms the system. And so you're, you're trying to root out where is that 15% that truly need protections under U.S. law. Right. And you try to get them those protections as quickly as possible and not have them wait in a two to three year cycle to try to see an immigration judge, in which case they're not getting the protections they need, they get lost in the system, they get frustrated, but that's what happens when you've overwhelmed the system. Right. Uh, we saw that during the Trump administration, so we tried to say, okay, how do we root out the fraud? And so the Remain in Mexico program was mm -hmm. part of that, the asylum cooperative agreements. We had a number of things in place that said, look, if you really want asylum protections, we can give those to you in a different way. If you and want you legally qualify. And you legally qualify. Right. If you want economic opportunity, well, guess what? We have about 80 different visa programs that you can qualify. Right. Right. H2A, H2B, you know, all these different ones that you can, you can qualify and apply for and come into the country. Right. 
But until there's a, a disincentive to allow people to continue to come here illegally, get into the system, never show up to a court date, it's just it's going to build upon itself. Right. And so I think that's what's the frustrating thing is we had set up a system. It wasn't perfect, but it was pretty good. Right. And this administration said, well, we're going to throw that out and we're just going to go back to the catch and release policy of the Obama administration, which we know doesn't work, right. which got us our immigration backlog to begin with, which is where we are today. A couple of facts that are in that as well that I've been tracking yeah. on this, as you have as well, that I want to get to two different policy areas because we're going to run out of time. I could pick your brain for <laughs> yeah. hours on this. Uh, one of them is that the individuals that are coming, that are coming from uh, Latin America. I've talked to some of those leaders as you have as well. Those leaders say to me loud and clear, stop incentivizing our people to be able to come. Yeah, They're absolutely. killing our economy. So where Biden keeps saying we want to go after root causes of migration and it's the economic issues in Central America, this is making it worse in Central America when some of their best laborers leave to be able to come to the United States to work, yep. which means they're not working in Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras. And so in those countries, they continue to be able to struggle economically because their laborers are leaving and their families are splitting up where the dads or the moms may come here yep. and the rest of the family still remains back or they may stay in the country for a while here in the United States and then call their family to be able to come as well once they get established illegally in the United States. And it causes all kinds of other issues in that home country, in their economy and in our economy right. as well. And so that, that's an ongoing problem that this administration continues to be able to feed that we've got to be able to figure out that it is a good thing for the stability of Central America to encourage good laborers to stay in Central America and continue to be able to work and us to continue to be able to find the labor here. But there's two big pieces that are out there that are being discussed by the administration right now. One is dropping Title 42, so I'm going to talk about what that is yep. and what it does. And the other one is is the asylum officer piece, where they're saying, okay, we do want to address asylum, right. Right. and so we're going to have a new policy on dealing with asylum officers. Let, let's start with the Title 42 sure. piece. It was a temporary policy that was put in place uh, in March of 2020 to deal with the pandemic right. to say we've got a, a global pandemic going on. So right now we're going to set aside the normal process of coming through and, and for someone illegally crossing the border, what we're going to do. And instead, we're just going to turn people around and say there's a pandemic, just like you can't take a flight from China into the United States during the time of the pandemic in the height of that. Right. You also can't just illegally cross the border and be walking as well. So that that's an authority. That is an official authority that's been put out there to say we're turning people around. The Trump administration used that effectively to stop illegal immigration at our southern border. Day one of the Biden administration, they said, well, if you come with a child that's five years old or younger, then we're going to let you in, yeah. even though there's Title 42. They kept Title 42. But if you come with a young child, we're going to let you come on in. And what happened was thousands Flood. and thousands yeah. of people started coming suddenly Shocker. with a four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, and they would find a random four-year-old or have a bring a child with them in the past. We had 900,000 people last year that illegally crossed our border that the right. Biden administration just waved into the country. 900,000 of those. That's as high as our legal immigration number. They doubled it with illegal immigration as well. So it, it's an absolutely insane number. Now there's real discussion on May the 23rd, they're gonna drop the entire Title 42 and say, right. regardless whether you have children, whether you're not, you're a single adult male coming from wherever it may be, you're into the country if you, just come across the border on this. What, what happens at that point, and, and how do we process this in the days ahead? So let me back up a little bit. So yeah. Title 42, is a, as you indicated, is a public health authority. And the, and the idea was we didn't want to take a crush of individuals coming across that border and put them into tightly packed border patrol facilities because right. the virus then would, you know, Move. would, have, <laughs> would have an issue. 
Um, but as you indicated, and, and DHS will continue to this day say it's not an immigration order, it's a public health order. But once you start exempting minors, once you start exempting most right. families, Ukrainians and others from this, you're using it as an immigration tool. Right. So let's, I think they need to be clear with the American people. They've been using it as an right. immigration tool for well over 14 months. Now, it's always been temporary. I think we, you could always reasonably assume, you can differ on when it should end, but I think you can reasonably assume it should end at some point. Right. The question and the issue that I have with the administration is they have done nothing to prepare for this. They have done nothing to put other procedures, other programs, and other initiatives in place. They should have said, look, this will probably end in the summer of 22. Let's, let's now start putting in things that we think could work right. to mitigate the crush of individuals that will likely come because we, we're pulling this back. Instead, they just say, well, this, this is going to be tough. This is going to be a rough time for everyone. They continue not to do their job, and their right. job is to make sure that you find that 15% that need asylum protections and you disincentivize everyone else who wants to cross illegally without any legal reasoning to do so. Instead, they continue to encourage that. And so when I look at Title 42 going away, I say, why did you give the cartels and the smugglers six weeks notice? Right. Not sure. Why did you do it at the height of the busy time of the season? Mm -hmm. um, and, and why are you doing it without putting any other procedures in place? It's, it's troubling. And I don't think they have a good, they don't have a good reason. They, they, can't, they can't tell you why they're doing it. And quite frankly, when I've talked to the administration about it at this point, they said, well, we're working to be able to do interior processing so we can literally pick people up at the border, put them on buses, drive them into the country deeper to be able to process there because their focus is not having a bad look at the border, not having a crowd of people at the border. And But they're putting people in buses. Again, if this is about the pandemic or anything else, they're now crowding people into buses on right. it. And at the same time, they're saying the pandemic's over at the border. If you're in the United States military, you're currently being fired yep. if you haven't got a COVID vaccine. And as ironic as it sounds, even in the order on the Title 42 on the border, they talk about natural immunity and say, do the vaccine and natural immunity, uh, then th this is waning. But if you're in the military, they don't acknowledge yeah. natural immunity. I mean, it, it's, it's so jumbled up at this point. It's clearly being used as an immigration policy. But after a year of planning, their goal seems to be, how do we move people faster rather than how you stop people coming in? Incoherent policy, absolutely. And I, I usually say, if you build it, they will come, which is if you continue to build capacity, if you continue right. to build these tent cities and other processing facilities along the border, what are you telling folks to south of the border? You're actually telling them, I'm building you multi-million dollar facilities. Right. Keep coming, because you guess what? I have the, the ability to process you now. Um, and so you're almost incentivizing people to come when you start advertising that you have now these facilities and you've gotten this much money from, con you know, you're incentivizing them to do this. It's one thing to provide resources so they can take care of a, a surge that kind of came out of nowhere, right. that came out of the blue. This, this is something that, A, was self-created and has been around now for 14 months and it's only right. getting worse. So j just to put the budget numbers side by side yeah. on how they're announcing things out, the Biden budget that came out decreased ICE enforcement. Right. Uh, they want fewer capacity for actually holding people with ICE. They want less capacity for holding family units, for instance. <clears throat> but they are dramatically increasing their budget at the border to be able to process people in. I think it's very important. I'm glad you brought up the budget. If you look at the line item for ICE beds, it, it, it dramatically is decreased. And that's important for one very <clears throat> fundamental reason. In order to deport someone, you have to put them in a facility because it usually right. takes two or three days to line up a flight to remove them. 
So you need a bed in order to deport. When they reduce the beds, you're reducing the, the ability to repatriate and deport individuals. Right. Yeah, this is literally defunding ICE. Yes. That's literally what it is. Uh, they had the lowest number of ICE deportations last year that we've had in decades and decades. They had yep. 57,000 total in the entire country, 57,000 people that yep. were actually deported. So it was this epic low number of deportations. And then in the budget, they're requesting an even lower number for the next year. So again, record high numbers coming Defunding in. Defunding ICE. Yeah, record low numbers going out. And that's the whole focus. Yeah. Let me let me talk about the uh, rule that you brought up. Yeah, the asylum uh, the asylum, asylum rule. So I think this is this is interesting because this is another way that the administration tries to say, look, we're we're grappling with the asylum problem, and we put out a new rule that's going to speed up the process. It's going to give people protections quick. It doesn't. It's not going to do that in, in actuality. Here's what it does. It says if you come across that border today before this rule is effective, uh, you have to go before an immigration judge to get your asylum claim. Uh, adjudicated, fully adjudicated. And when you go before that immigration judge, we have an I the government has an ICE attorney and others that are asking very hard questions about your asylum claim. And they should be because asylum should be difficult to get. Sure. Uh, because with it, you get a number of benefits and protections. And so they're asking you questions there, sort of peeling back that onion to really say, do you have a true asylum claim? So with this rule, that takes that off the table. It basically says this migrant or whoever comes across the border can now go before a USCIS officer and that officer can grant them asylum right. with the stroke of a pen. They don't have to go before a, uh, an immigration judge or an attorney and actually defend their claim. Right. Uh, in a couple hour interview, they can get that. And so what you're going to see is it actually is going to facilitate asylum. And you're going to see lower individuals being denied asylum and you're going to see more people applying for asylum. So again, I don't know that they're thinking about the secondary and third, third uh, right. tertiary effects that this, is, this type of rule is going to have because the cartels and others are going to figure this out very, very quickly. Yeah, and it will actually do the opposite again. It actually yep. incentivizes people to be able to come across right. the border. Uh, I, I can imagine at this point the cartels are actively working through multiple areas of the world to say right now is the time to be able to prepare yourself uh, because May the 23rd they're going to change all the rules. And if we get there early, and this uh, asylum officer rule is not even in place at this point, right. and they don't plan for it to be in place by May the 23rd. They're discussing when it will actually go into place, but it won't be ready by the point they're talking about dropping Title 42. So for weeks there's going to be abject chaos, and right now uh, the latest number that I heard from DHS is when people illegally cross the border, they're given that piece of paper to say show up at a court hearing six years in the future. It's now six years That's total <laughs> that they're just released in the country and say show up at your hearing and the chances of them showing up at a court hearing six years in the future. So let's think about that. Not. When we came in uh, in the Trump administration in 2017, it was anywhere from 18 months to 24 months. Right. So we thought two years was a big time frame. It is a big time frame. And we were trying to figure out how to shrink that down. If it is now six years... In six years, you know, you're going to move into the country, you're going to have a family, you're going to get married, and in six years, you could be ordered to be removed. And that is, like I said, the most inhumane system that you could possibly construct right. uh, because you're selling people a lie at the end of the day. So yeah. it's, it's and, frustrating. And you cross the border and they immediately snap a picture of their document that says show up six years in the future. You're in for six years. Send it back to your family and friends and say, this is the cartel member I paid. This is where I crossed the border. This is what I said when yep. I got here. And I got to be in America for six years. And that just attracts more people to it be It does. Go. You mentioned Border Patrol picking up 156, 57 different nationalities. There's only 192 in the world. Right. Um, so you've got And that's everyone. just in the last six months. And what we saw in 21, if you look at the numbers, the first year on record that the majority of people coming to that border are not from Mexico or Central America. Hmm. 
So if you take those two, those sets of countries, about four to five different countries out of the mix, the majority of people are coming from elsewhere in the world. And they're only doing that for one reason. They know that they can get across that border and stay in the U.S. And so either you have border security, you have rule of law, or you don't. And the reason I'm so passionate about this, and I, I know that you are, this affects Americans every day. We haven't talked yeah. about the narcotics, the illegal narcotics right. that are coming across, but these are the same cartel members that are smuggling people or smuggling the narcotics. And so this is impacting Americans and killing Americans every single day. And while, you know, Ukraine's important and, you know, making sure that we are safe from foreign terrorist organizations, all very, very important. This is the stuff that affects Americans every day. Right. It does. Every state is a border state. Right. With the impact of drugs that's happening and economic uh, issues across the nation related to Ill illegal immigration. And I say this to people all the time. We're the most open immigration system in the world yep. for legal immigration. We have a million people a year yep. that legally become citizens of the United States. We as a nation celebrate people coming to the United States, setting aside their old citizenship and going through the legal process to actually become citizens of the United States. But we just have a real problem with something that begins with the word illegal. Yeah. You know, if this is illegal immigration, that's dramatically different than right. just legal immigration to be able to come into the United States of America. Chad, I could pick your brain all day. Uh, you and I have the opportunity to yeah. be able to talk through different issues at different times and how we're going to actually solve this in the days ahead. Because there are legislative fixes that need to be in place dealing with lots of different issues we didn't even have time to be able to talk about today dealing with immigration. But there's also policy decisions that are being put in place by the Biden administration right now that are causing what we're actually seeing at the border right now. I appreciate your staying engaged in the American yeah. First Policy Institute and trying to continue to be able to bring ideas to people of how to be able to solve these issues. I appreciate our friendship and our engagement. Absolutely. Uh, I mentioned to you in a border location, I will, I will leave unnamed uh, <laughs> that I visited uh, in the past year yeah. that when I dropped by, even after the transition uh, of the administration, I saw your picture up on the wall <laughs> still yeah. in that spot because there are people along the border uh, that work for you now that still have great respect yeah. for you and your leadership that you had. Uh, well, we tried to empower you. them. Well, you did empower them yeah. and they felt it. And I've said to lots of folks before, right now the Border Patrol staff feel like hotel check-in staff yeah. rather than federal law enforcement. They didn't sign up to be check-in people. They signed up to be federal law enforcement because they're passionate about our nation and protecting our nation. Yeah. One last thing, you, you mentioned narcotics. Yeah. I did a telephone town hall last week in Oklahoma. And on that telephone town hall, one of the questions was about immigration. And in the middle of the question, she said, my son died from a fentanyl overdose last mm. year. And it's just like the whole conversation just yeah. paused for a moment. And she said, immigration and illegal immigration matters to my family. Because in greatest likelihood, that fentanyl came across the border from Mexico. 100%. Because that's yeah. where the fentanyl is moving across right now. So this is not just a people issue no. and a human trafficking issue and labor trafficking and sex trafficking and all those things that are just so destructive to the human soul. But this is also about drug smuggling and narcotics. Yeah. It's important that we actually have the rule of law along our border. This is affecting Americans every yeah, day. It does. Chad, thanks for your leadership. Thanks right. for your staying engaged. For the folks that are actually continuing to be able to tune in on the uh, breakdown, thanks for staying engaged on the hard issues of the day and learning the facts behind just the 30-second clip that are actually happening. If you want to subscribe to this, you may be just a first-time listener to this, and you want to get the regular update as we do this periodically, we'll send it to you automatically. You'll sign up in just the normal podcasting platforms, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, any of those. If you want to track us and just stay in contact with our office, you can go to langford.senate.gov. Langford.senate.gov. That's got our email address. It has phone numbers. It even has a snail mail address. The USPS would love it if you use a stamp and actually mail something in. Uh, if you'd like to be able to old school that and mail it in, even that address is there. We want to be able to stay in contact with you as we work to be able to actually bring solutions 
to the issues that we face as a culture at this point. So thanks for leaning in and continuing to be able to learn the hard issues and to be able to figure out together how we can solve these. God bless you. Let's stay in contact in the days ahead.